I think the urgency is is so important, you know, to move for things forward quickly and to bring attention, right? Especially for rare diseases like ALS. Hey all, and welcome to another episode of Connecting ALS. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Stevenson. I'm joined by my co-host on the East Coast, Jeremy Holden. Hello to you, sir. Hey Mike, how you doing this morning? I'm doing well, I'm excited. I'm, I'm pretty fired yeah. up, Jeremy, a couple of reasons. One, because we've got another fantastic guest and conversation to share with the listeners today, but more so because we had big breaking news coming out of the United States Senate yesterday afternoon in a vote. The Senate voted to pass the ALS Disability Insurance Act, which would waive the five-month waiting period that people must endure before accessing Social Security disability benefits. It's something advocates have been pushing for for years. And now it's in the hands of the House to see it through. Extremely exciting uh, to have it this close. Yeah, incredible. And, you know, just a few weeks left in this current legislative session. So I think there's a sense of urgency, you know, that the association is going to continue working with leaders in the U.S. House to try to get this bill over the finish line. A lot of work over the last few years, building support for that, that kind of slow and steady process of educating lawmakers and adding to support for the bill and really building up that momentum to to the point where yesterday the Senate was able to, to push it over the finish line there. Work left to be done, but as you said, Mike, really exciting news for the community this morning. Such a big moment with advocates pushing for this for so long. Hats off to everyone who has tried so hard to make this a reality. We're not quite there yet. As you mentioned, we're going to include links in the show notes for this episode so that you can find contact information for your House legislators. Give them a call, send them an email, really big things ahead. All right, as I told you up front, in addition to sharing that news, we have a great interview for you today with a returning guest to our show, Dr. Jill Yersak. She's currently the Vice President of Mission Strategy at the ALS Association, but spent a number of years heading up the ALS Association's research arm and is still very much uh, plugged into that world. So Jeremy, we thought it'd be smart to have her back and help us reflect on some of the ALS research happenings of the last year. Yeah, and it's something we're gonna be doing over the coming weeks as we kind of look ahead to 2021, important to look back and see it was a challenging year for everyone in 2020, but get a sense of some of the progress that was made in ALS research. And as I said, in, in the coming weeks, we'll, we'll look at some of the progress in advocacy and the delivery of care. So, uh, but yeah, great to kick things off with Dr. Yersak. Looking forward to bringing this conversation to our listeners. We're on the phone today with someone who is no stranger to this podcast. She's the ALS Association's Vice President of Mission Strategy, Dr. Jill Yersak. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Yersak. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Nice to see everybody or hear everybody. Absolutely. We're, we're glad to have you back. And the reason we've asked you to come back in the show is that we're spending December looking back and recapping some of the biggest news of the year in the world of ALS. And as someone who has previously led the research side for the ALS Association and actually worked in a research lab yourself, we wanted to pick your brain about some of the research progress being made in 2020. And of course, we can't mention 2020 without acknowledging the massive impact that the pandemic has had on the entire world. So let's start there if we can. How has COVID-19 impacted ALS research specifically, Dr. Yersak? Yeah, so COVID-19 has impacted ALS research, as you can imagine. For a while, our researchers around the world, just not just in ALS, weren't able to get into the labs for safety issues. And so if they couldn't get in the labs, they couldn't complete the work. 
But at that point, the, the bright side of that, they actually had some time to sit and do some writing. And so, so I'm hoping to see a lot of publications coming out in the next few months. So it wasn't they were just sitting at their house. I'm sure they're writing grants and writing publications. But our research team, Dr. Koldip Dave, our VP of our research program, really worked really hard to coordinate with all of our researchers that were funding to help them extend their project time so, they're, so they have time to meet their deliverables. And we committed to them if they meet those deliverables, even if they're delayed, we could, would still be able, be able to provide, provide them funding. So I talked to him yesterday and he said about 80% of our awardees reported delays between three to six months. That said, I know, and he also knows that we have really dedicated researchers all over the world are really working hard to catch up to lost time. So I'm really confident of the work they committed to will be completed. And, you know, they're, they're definitely not giving up. And so, you know, COVID really hasn't stopped us despite all this, this craziness in the world. Uh, we really continue to drive research toward funding curves and treatments for ALS. And even this year, we've committed since January 1, over $13 million to fund 46 research projects around the world. So wow. we're still moving. Yeah. So we're still moving. So that's positive. And, you know, if you, I always like to give a plug to our, our website. So if you want to learn more exactly about what we're funding, you can go to our research site on als.org, click on the research tab, and then you can click on research refund. And it gives us gives you all the details more than you probably ever want to know about what we're <laughs> funding right now. <laughs> no, there are some really cool breakdowns on there. And as someone and myself who, who knows very little about the science side of research, it's interesting to go on there and see how it all adds up and, and, and the sort of things that the association is supporting. It's a lot of interesting info on there. And Dr. Yurisak, you mentioned that slight delay that you're hearing from, but you know, uh, one of the things that that's I guess inspired me a little bit or surprised me at times is is with some of the researchers that Mike and I have been able to talk to throughout the year, the creative ways that researchers, like everybody, are finding to keep the work going forward despite the the pandemic and and the quarantine issues. And you know, it may not be business as usual, but it business continues to go forward. So it's inspiring to hear you say that. On the inspirational front, what are some of the things that happened this year? We, we did see some breakthroughs. We did see some development. Walk us through some of the big ticket research items that, as you look back on 2020. Yeah. Um, and just as a quick aside for the creative part, yeah, I have friends in research that were creating creative. They were sending people in one at a time. <laughs> They're doing all kinds of different protocols um, to get them into the lab to get at least some work done. So for example, they have animals, they don't want their, all their animals to die. So someone still has to go in and they were able, they were allowed to do that. So they found all kinds of creative ways to keep things moving. So they'd have to completely start over again. So there are a lot of big things that I'm looking forward to this year and, you know, I'd love to talk to you guys about. And I guess one of the first things I'd love to mention is that, you know, I think we're really close to our first ALS biomarker to come to market. I'm really hoping that should be by mid next year. I hate to give timelines around that, but I, I really am confident that's moving forward quickly. Wow. What I mean by a biomarker or something is that you can track in your body over time, like a protein or a molecule in your blood, your urine, or even your spinal cerebral spinal fluid, which is the fluid that covers and protects your brain and spinal cord. And so what a new biomarker means is that doctors will be able to diagnose people with ALS faster. So current diagnosis times take an average of three doctors over a year, and we can do so much better. So, and also biomarkers can help doctors tra better track disease over time, allowing for optimal care at each step of the disease journey. 
And so the association really continues to invest in ALS biomarker research. That's really essential for ALS drug development and successful clinical trials. So like this year alone, we committed, um, I think, over $350,000 in collaboration with our partner, Target ALS, to launch a TDP43 biomarker study. And mutations in TDP, TDP43 cause genetic or inherited ALS. And we know that toxic protein deposits called aggregates containing PD, TDP43 are found in motor neurons which are the cells in the body that die in ALS. So we hope this will lead to a, a TDP43 biomarker um, for ALS. I guess two other quick things are great news out of Amelix Pharmaceuticals this year. Actually, pretty recently, they published two papers with encouraging clinical trial results showing that their experimental drug AMX35 had significant benefit in people with ALS and was shown to be safe. And so I'm really optimistic that this drug could really impact people with ALS. So in the meantime, we're working with the company Amelex, the FDA, and the ALS community to bring this treatment option to people as soon as po- with ALS as soon as possible. And I know you've had po- past podcasts around that, so I'll give a plug to definitely go back to listen to those to learn more about that drug. It's really exciting. And then the last thing I think I wanted to mention, and you know, I talked to Coldup, and he wanted me to mention this too, is. You know, we invested a significant amount of money, um, three over $3 million in the Healy ALS platform trial at Mass General Hospital. Yeah. You know, and this trial is so cool because it, it tests multiple therapies for a drug efficiency at the same side, at the same time. And that really translates to providing time and cost savings and increasing patient access to trials. So essentially, there are five treatment arms, meaning they're testing five drugs and sharing one placebo arm. So if you sign up for this trial, you're more likely to get assigned to one of those drug tri- to one of the drugs, not the placebo arm, which is also really encouraging. And they're actively enrolling all over the country right now. They're really full steam ahead. And you know, I love these two facts that they they like to talk about and I like to, to reiterate here is that, you know, our colleagues say that this platform trial can uh, has estimated cost savings at 30%. Um, compared to a single drug trial, a traditional drug trial, and that it's actually 50% times faster also compared to a single drug trial. So this mm. is really exciting, and we're really um, happy to be part a part of this. Oh, that's huge. Yeah, the efficiency alone on that platform trial, I, I had a chance to speak to uh, Dr. Maritzakovich for Giving Tuesday, and, and she was kind of giving an update on the platform trial. And yet, yet as you were alluding to, just the the number of drugs that can simultaneously go through that trial and be tested and, and get results so much quicker than we have in the past. It really seems like platform trials are the future of ALS research, and it's exciting that that one is underway. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're, we're tracking that closely, and we talked to Merritt a lot about that, and we're con- continually getting updates. So, you know, uh, fingers crossed that, you know, they get some really great results out of this in the near future. That's very, very exciting. And you mentioned biomarkers a moment ago. And as we look forward to 2021, which I think is something the whole world is doing because we just want to get out of this calendar year. But in terms in terms of upcoming research and the landscape for the next 12 to 18 months, what has you most interested and excited? Is it the platform trial? Is it some of these other trials that are happening? What are you most looking forward to in the next year and a half? Yeah, I'm, I'm always looking 
we're always really tracking closely the clinical trials because that's the closest thing people with ALS have to really look forward to 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 really make a difference. The biomarkers are really important to help the trials alone, but and help with diagnostic times, which is exciting. But the trials themselves, I know people with ALS really track as closely or probably even more closely than we do. So, you know, one of the trials that I'm excited about for is a gene therapy trial out of Biogen, which is a pharmaceutical partner that we, um, a company that we partner with. And last year they announced a phase two trial, clinical trial results for the drug, it's called Tefersin. And what it does is it targets a common genetic cause of ALS, a gene called SOD1. And what they showed is that it could potentially slow disease progression in people on the drug. And what's cool, since so now this is a gene therapy, so it's targeting a specific gene and preventing the toxic downstream pathway that happens when you have a gene mutation. So it's really cool, the, the technology behind it that we've been funding, what we funded for years. And so to see this now in a clinical trial is awesome. And so this is now in a phase three trial. It's called the Valor trial. And I'm really hoping that we can hear exciting results early next year. And, you know, I'm an optimistic person and I'm hoping this could be the first ALS gene therapy in the market. And so that, so what that means is that people carrying the SOD1 gene, you know, you would get genetic testing for and counseling to understand you have that that gene mutation and then you would be able to, eligible to, to get on this drug. And I think mm-hmm. that could have a potential slowing of disease progression that we've never seen before, which is super excited. And, you know, once this happens, I, I think, you know, this, it shows that this technology works, right? And it would open the floodgates for other gene therapies to come to market, targeting wow. all the other 30 plus genes known to cause genetic ALS. So it's super cool and, uh, you know, we ha- we talk to our partners over at Biogen a lot, and I- I'm just so looking forward to see what comes comes to, to market if it does come to market, and how this all plays out next early next year. That sounds incredible. You know, the other thing I could mention is you know on the same pathway is gene discover is gene discovery because I mentioned that we have all these genes that we've already discovered, but you know the yeah. sequencing technology is so great and has come along so much in the next ten years. So I'm always you know, the, you know, the scientist in me, because my background as a neuroscientist is, you know, to track those gene discoveries because each new gene discovery really represents new therapeutic target. And so I'm always looking at what those new genes are. And, you know, that makes me excited for the future too, that, you know, once we have the technology to, to target these genes with gene therapies, you know, down the road, we can continue to target more and more of these even more rare genes, which is really exciting. Yeah, that sounds, uh, this all sounds very exciting. And, you know, w- one of the things, uh, Dr. Yersek, that I've learned over the years of, of, of working with you is that all of these things kind of feed into each other. You know, biomarkers makes it easier to diagnose early, which allows a person with ALS to and get engaged in clinical trials earlier. And the discovery of new genes, this all is part of a, a bigger picture that we're trying to put together. Exactly. Yeah, it's all connected and all in a good way. Right. Well, it sounds like a lot to look forward to in 2021. You know, and and with that in mind, I know a lot of news reports are are talking about the COVID vaccine that could be on the horizon and and how the urgency behind developing that and the embrace of kind of a novel approach 
to developing a vaccine, how that all came together to give us hope that 2021 might see an effective vaccine on that. But talk to us a little bit about how that sense of urgency can be captured and brought to bear in the search for treatments and a cure for ALS. Yeah, that's a really great question. You know, and I, I'm so hopeful and I've been tracking the news, I think like everyone else around the the new technology and all the work that's been done with Operation Warp Speed and all the pharmaceutical companies, you know, they, they have news research, news journalists outside these companies. You can see their their cars late at night. People are working yeah. out really around the clock to get this going. And I'm really hopeful to see a new new vaccine early next year too. We know that there's some there they're definitely making progress, but actually to get into the hands of people is something that we can really hopefully look forward to soon. Right. But yeah, I think the urgency is is so important, you know, to move for things forward quickly and to bring attention, right? Especially for rare diseases like ALS. So, you know, this broad awareness of research to the broad public is so cool and important. So we see, you know, we see that what urgency and huge investments in vaccinations brought to COVID-19 and we know, you know, it really reminds me of how this, this kind of happened back for the ice bucket challenge, right? You know, we had this huge influx of urgency, awareness, investment that, you know, made a huge difference in ALS research. You know, we just, we brought new people into the field, which if you have more people, it speeds things up. You know, we had more money, led more collaborations, more published papers, and really, we saw a huge added on investment by other funders in ALS research, especially at the National Institutes of Health, which, you know, their investment in ALS research has gone way up in the last, uh, since the Ice Bucket Challenge. So, you know, that urgency is so key to anything. And I'm so glad to see that, you know, happen with COVID-19. And I'm happy to say that, you know, this urgency, I think, has continued you know, for ALS research since that time back um, when people were pouring buckets of water, cold water on their heads. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and, and we had the opportunity to talk to uh, Senator Lisa Murkowski up in Alaska a couple weeks ago about the, among other things, the potential for doubling the amount of federal funding for research at the Department of Defense and that ALS research program. So you are starting to see that sense of urgency from a, a, a lot of different channels. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we, we're really happy to see that that increased investment at the Department of Defense. They have a really great research program over there. And Coldups, our VP of research, has been involved involved in some of the reviews. It's just, it's a really great collaboration and partnership that we love to see moving forward. Thanks again, Dr. Jill Yersak, Director of Mission Strategy at the ALS Association for helping us uh, recap the year in ALS research. And hopefully we'll have you uh, back again real soon to talk about another breakthrough. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. Well, Mike, always great to hear from Dr. Jill Yersak, Vice President of Mission Strategy at the ALS Association, and no less so today. Really inspiring thoughts, uh, particularly looking forward to what we may see on the research side in 2021. Yeah, Dr. Yersak's great. I can't wait to have her back. I'm sure she'll have more news for us soon. That's all for this week's episode. This is where we remind you that you can subscribe to the show at ConnectingALS.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you leave us a review on your favorite service, uh, that'd be much appreciated as well as that helps others discover the latest show. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter for updates on content, including next week's show, when we'll be discussing ALS advocacy in 2020 at length. 
This week's episode was produced by Garrett Tiedemann of the ALS Association's Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota chapter. Thank you all for listening. We'll connect with you again soon. Thank you.